This is the ICO Alert podcast. I'm Mike Finch, your host, COO and co-founder of ICO Alert. I've got a great interview here today, and I've got a special guest with me, Peter Kay. Uh, he's our head of localization here at ICO Alert, and he has an upcoming podcast that he's ready to launch. Yeah, it's going to be called Wittgenstein's Table. We look at 2,500 years of the wisest human thought out from around the world, sometimes with guests, sometimes without, just a lot of research, and we see how it applies to cryptocurrency trading, but also to building blockchain projects for the future, a future we can all enjoy. And uh, that's coming out later this month in June. Yeah, so keep an eye out on uh, that podcast. You you may have noticed we have a handful of other podcasts that are out there today. So this is our, you know, kind of ICO interview podcast, but then we've got the roundtable. Uh, Q and Evan host that, kind of more of an informal discussion about the ICO and cryptocurrency industry. He's coming out with his podcast. Uh, then we also have EOS Everything, which has been a popular one as the uh, EOS mainnet is getting ready to launch. Uh, that's hosted by Zach Gall, one of our data analysts, and then Rob Finch, my brother. Uh, so Rob has moved on from these ICO interviews to focus on the EOS Everything, as well as a new venture uh, that ICO Alert is partnered with called Cypherglass, uh, which aims to be an EOS block producer. Uh, there's others you'll see too. Brian Dennis, our head of content, hosts Corporate to Crypto, uh, which is, uh, as you've seen already with one episode, an introduction uh, to folks in the industry who have come from kind of more of a uh, corporate background. So we're always looking to increase the content we're sending to you guys. Send us lots of feedback. You can do so on Twitter at ICO Alert or through email at team at ICOalert.com. Our guest today on the podcast is Johnny Kolosinski. He's the head of media at XYO Network. XYO Network is a pretty wild project. Uh, it was very recently a trending ICO. Uh, trending ICOs on ICO Alert, as you'll learn in the podcast, are a brand new thing that ICO Alert brings to you, a way for you to get an unbiased look at what our community and uh, the other users around you are interested in. Uh, the podcast goes deep. This was uh, one of the, the more awesome podcasts I guess we've done. Uh, we talk all about X XYO Network. We talk about XY, which is the company behind XYO Network. Uh, of course, we go kind of far future, talk about how uh, you know XYO Network is developing a platform or a protocol to enable machine-to-machine communication uh, to the point that humans wouldn't even be involved, right? It's scary. Uh, we talk privacy. We talk the fact that they are sponsoring Indy 500 and NASCAR race drivers. And of course, we talk their ICO, the way they've set it up, other details there. So enjoy the podcast. Awesome, man. Well, appreciate uh, having you on here. Appreciate the time. Uh, you're Yeah, absolutely. You're from Ohio, we noticed. We're based out of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I was actually just in uh, Philly last weekend for uh, NASCAR race in the Poconos. Oh, wow. Were you that? racing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we we're sponsoring a, a car for a few races. Right, absolutely. I saw that in uh, I think it was like a blog post or on the site. In uh, the the guy mm -hmm. racing the car, what he's like from M MIT, and you know he's he's a pretty intense well, dude. Yeah, well, we, we've done a couple different sponsorships. We are uh, sponsoring NASCAR uh, uh, eight races overall, I believe. Um, and we also sponsored J.R. Hildebrand in the Indy 500 a couple weeks ago. And that that was just, uh, I didn't get to go, but it was an awesome experience for us as a company because like, uh, above and beyond just, you know, the spike in awareness that came from it. Uh, it got us covered on CNBC, right. which was fantastic. Yeah, I think that, that must have been where I saw it. That's huge. That's... Uh Mm -hmm. And you guys, oh, you yeah. guys were incentivizing them through tokens, I think, too, right? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Awesome, man. Uh, so he's uh, he and also our, our drivers in NASCAR are all into the crypto space, and uh, so are they're they're not just being told, "Hey, this is what to put on the car." They're they're interested and excited in the technology behind it. Right, right. That's, man, that's killer. That's a, a great way to grow mm -hmm. mainstream adoption. Well done on that front. <laughs> now you have, yeah, it's been, it's been an awesome, you have some podcast, awesome thing for us. You have some podcast experience yourself too, uh, in uh, similar yeah. nerd fields, uh, like uh, uh, Next I'm, Generation. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm a co-host of the Disco Trek, which is a Star Trek podcast and Got Thrones, which is a Game of Thrones podcast. So I've been doing that since 2015, 
Nice, man. That's how'd you how'd mm-hmm. you uh, get into crypto then? Um, I actually, it's it's a funny story for me personally. Uh, I mentioned, or you mentioned that I'm from Ohio. Uh, one of my high school friends is a producer on the uh, public radio uh, show Marketplace. Okay. And he did one of the first show, first pieces on crypto and Bitcoin uh, on Marketplace in 2011 or 2012. And I saw it on his Facebook and said, oh, man, this is really cool. I should get in on this. And then I didn't. <laughs> uh, and then he did a couple more pieces and I uh, eventually got in in about 2013. Nice. Hey, that's still not uh, that's not bad at all. I think most people's stories yeah. are like I got into it three months ago, but heard about it three years ago. So uh, mm-hmm. 2013 is, is nothing to laugh about. That's awesome. Yeah, it was just early enough for me to get totally screwed by Mount Gox. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately there. Well, cool, man. Let's jump right into it. Um, we have a lot of questions yeah. for you. XYO Network is uh, one of or has been one of what we call uh, our trending ICOs. Right. So uh basically we track through a handful of different metrics what uh our community our users our audience uh on our site are are um you know kind of most engaged with right and xyo network uh, i think maybe it was last week was the was the uh you know number one trending spot um yeah that's that's not easy to get so um you know with that being said we got a lot of questions but you know first off let's give, give some context right uh What's your position at XYO and and how would you describe XYO Network to those who haven't heard of it before? Well, I'm head of media and community at XYO, which means I get the opportunity to do the fun stuff like like this and talk about uh, what we're doing and uh, talk to folks here on Reddit and Telegram, uh, all of our different places to answer questions and try to spread the word. Uh, XYO Network is a... Uh, what we call a crypto location protocol. And our goal is to prove where a specific thing was at a specific point in time. And we do that through a network of hardware devices that communicate with each other and store all of their interactions with each other on their own private ledgers. And so you can examine the history of interactions between devices to validate the data that it's providing. Yes, uh, my my phone is in San Diego in our offices because it's communicated with 45 different other devices in that area in uh, recently. And we can look and see its path as I got there and you can throw okay. out the outliers. Um, so it's a network of uh, IOT devices and apps and various other, other physical things that communicate with each other and then validate validate the data that they get from other devices gotcha yeah as i i read it on your website i believe it, it said xyo network is an authoritative trustless and decentralized proof of location oracle that allows developers and smart contract creators to interact with the real world as if it's an api so you're really you're bridging the gap uh would you say kind of between uh what is the cryptocurrency community and the real world in a way but obviously yeah you know, through a, a very advanced, um, you know, proof of location protocol. Yeah, we're we're bringing crypto into meat space. Um, we uh, just launched recently what we call our Gamma platform, uh, which is the bedrock of our uh, developers toolkit, and it already is, is at the point where you can generate the information needed to add. Uh, proof of proof of origin to a smart contract so that you can, for example, release a, release an Ethereum payment when a thir- certain thing gets to a specific point in space at a specific point in time. Oh, wow. So uh, payment on delivery for e-commerce through cryptocurrency is now theoretically possible. So, so XY has, you say, a million location beacons. That's, they're not necessarily all on the XYO network yet? Mm-hmm. We've got we've manufactured about a million devices. Uh, uh, right around half of those will be able to to function on the XYO network uh, through a firmware update that can be handled remotely. So uh, basically, anything that we manufactured after 2017 mm-hmm. will be able to become what we call a sentinel on the XYO network. What does an XY device look like, and how does it communicate with devices around it? 
So we've got uh, two different pieces of hardware that we've manufactured. Uh, one is a Bluetooth beacon. So it's got a range of about 150 to 300 feet and communicates with other Bluetooth devices and with phones, tablets, what have you, uh, via Bluetooth. Uh, and then we also have uh, a GPS and SIM card-enabled device that doesn't depend on uh, a Bluetooth connection for reporting. So that one can report independently of any other devices. Uh, but the platform itself is open source. So that's what we know how to manufacture. That's what we've been manufacturing. That's what we're using to get the network started. But if there's a method of communication that we're not that we're not using right now, we want other people to be building to building the, be building those devices. And uh, so we can have, you know, LoRaWAN right. or NFC or any other uh, communication mm-hmm. method. Uh, communication protocol uh, is compatible with the network. And that's... We're agnostic in that sense. Okay. That's an important distinction too, right? Because XYO Network is this, uh, you know, open source piece, right? But then there's a company behind XYO Network. That's XY, where you were there before you took on XYO Network as a project, correct? Yeah, I've been I've been with the company since 2015. I actually consulted on our Kickstarter to launch our first Bluetooth beacon in 2014. Uh, so I, I've been here for a while, and we've been uh, we've been plugging away at it for quite a while now. And we realized last year in 2017 that whenever we weren't talking about you know work, when we were just sitting around shooting the breeze, we were talking about crypto. And I can't give you an exact date of when we went from man. This it'd be cool if we could add location right. to to the crypto space. To wait, we can actually do this, and we're we have both the expertise and the hardware experience to make it happen. It's crazy how that you know the kind of the first iteration of what a company wants to do X Y changes so rapidly, right? Like it's it's only mm-hmm. been three four years, and boom, here's all of a sudden this new groundbreaking technology. Uh, a part of a brand new community, you know, X, Y it looked was basically, you know, and kind of broadly here, hopefully I don't butcher this too badly, but uh, a way kind of like uh, Apple's, you know, find your iPhone um, is a way to locate different devices in the world. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, so it was uh, key finders or find your bag, find your purse, uh, uh, stick one on uh, on your kid's backpack so you know if it's been left at school. And that side of things is still around and will continue to be around. But for those who are interested in participating in the network and the crypto side, you'll also have have the much more in-depth and robust nature of the XYO network. Okay. So if I'm understanding this correctly, blockchain tech, whereas a single device could easily spoof its location and pretend mm-hmm. to be somewhere it's not, and that leads to all kinds of possible fraud and, and all sorts of things. And with the blockchain on XYO network, since you're communicating with all the other devices in the area, it'd be much more difficult to spoof the location. You'd have to, you can't do it, basically. Yeah, uh, and it, it, we have what we're, what's called the proof of origin score, which is essentially the reputation of a specific device. And the higher your proof of origin score, the more likely the data you're providing is going to be uh, useful. If you're providing data that isn't u- that isn't compatible with everything that's around you, uh, then the data you're providing is going to be considered invalid and thrown out. So you can't spoof it simply because everyone else, every other device will point to you and say, no, you're a liar. Right. Right. Yeah. One hundred percent. It's it's uh, what you guys would consider like untrustworthy. Right. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so essentially, XYO network. Right. There are there are these different devices, be be it through Bluetooth or you know cellular cellular networks uh, communicating with each other out there. What is the real world use case of this? I know a big one is e-commerce, but you know mm-hmm. you guys like many see a future way past just. Uh, that first possibility. So what are some of the things that you see in the real world happening with this uh, new protocol? Well, e-commerce is a big one. Uh, It's not something we think about in the States all that much, but uh, outside of the U.S., payment on delivery is still huge for orders uh, and for e-commerce orders. And so having that seamless method of doing it would be great. But uh, we've we've got a lot of other 
uh, potential opportunities that we're exploring. For example, uh, the XY side of things has worked with a national security organization to help track their firearms. And right now, all, all we're doing is saying, this is where that firearm is right now. But when you add the network, the XYO network, uh, to that, then all of a sudden you've gotten an uh, auditable and immutable record of when a firearm left left a lockup, went into a high security area, where it went, who it was with, when it made it back. So all of a sudden you've got that that level of detail that can be audited independently and can't be changed. And so that's huge for, especially uh, in a high security area. Right. Uh, we've also uh, talked with uh various uh, review sites, uh, hotel reviews and uh, uh, that sort of thing, uh, where you can confirm that this is an actual visit that happened. Just like uh, on Amazon, you've got a verified review because you know that the order took place. You can confirm that the device that uh, is writing this review was there at that point in time and independently confirm that, hey, not only did did they uh, uh, did they visit this hotel to hotel that they're reviewing? Uh, but they're also not sitting there right now writing the review. Gotcha. So users are participating within the XYO network to some degree, right? Certainly, there's mm-hmm. there's the possibility for uh, machines to kind of to kind of work together. And there's uh, you know um, the, the big kind of keyword, especially in Pittsburgh here with Uber, is uh, you know autonomous machines. But before we get there, how do users interact with the XYO network? Is it is it as simple as um, just kind of checking in, you know, like that was a, a small wave of, of tech where, hey, I can check in on Facebook or there was a, there was another app. I can't uh, think of the name, but it was all based on checking in places. Um, mm-hmm. Is is it mm-hmm. is it something like that or is it I'm sure it's more detailed uh, under this protocol, but how do users interact with the XYO network? At the most basic level, it's seamless. Your devices are communicating with other devices. They're recording those interactions. And uh, where the active user comes in is when they want to ask a question. When when they query the network saying, for example, uh, my package didn't make it to my doorstep. Where is it? Mm. And when did it get lost? And so that that's a question that you'll ask of the network. And depending on the level of detail you want, it'll cost a certain amount of XYO tokens. And those tokens will be distributed to everyone who helps generate data that provides the best answer. So if you went jogging by, if I had a package that got misdelivered eight doors down, and you were jogging by and running one of our apps, and you happened to be the one that pinged it on the neighbor's doorstep rather than mine, when I found that out, uh, you'd get a portion of the tokens that I paid to ask the question or that the delivery service paid to ask the question or uh, or what have you. Right. And then all the so those those specific devices that that provided information will be rewarded with the tokens. And so will uh, the nodes that we call archivists, which store store and index all the data that uh that comes in from the network and diviners, which are sort of like miners that uh, generate those answers based on all the data that's provided. Gotcha. So XY has, you know, the parent company of XYO network has, uh, you said a million devices out there today, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, a million. We've manufactured about a million devices and about half of those will be compatible with the network. Gotcha. Okay. So, you know, five, uh, 500,000 out there right now. And then the, the incentive model that we're discovering here is, you know, obviously that we want, other users to kind of act as those nodes as well. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. So you've got you've got your personal use case of this is solely on the consumer side. The personal use case of this is the thing that will help me find my keys. But you've also got the added use case of and also sometimes it'll be making me a little bit of cash. So you have a million devices out there, and users want to be nodes. Mm-hmm. Are you going to make a smartphone, integrate with smartphones that are out there? Uh, what kind of technology upgrade might be required? How does a user leave that hotel review? That aspect of it, it'd mostly be apps built uh, built on our technology, whether it's you know just our XY Find It app uh, or other apps that are doing other things, you know, a, a Pokemon Go. Mm. Uh, alternative hmm. that is also earning you tokens as you're as you're going around town hunting down whatever is absolutely not Pokemon because uh, <laughs> well that's an expensive expensive trademark <laughs> um, Digimon <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, there we go. Um, They're due for a comeback. (laughs) Uh, So various other apps can be built on the XYO network that don't necessarily even have a specific interaction in place, but they're still augmenting the network. Gotcha. Or or the review app can also be serving on, on the XYO network, verifying all the information that's happening around you as you're as you're checking into your hotel and writing your review and that. Oh, I see. So, so do you have specific plans for this? Are you, you planning to basically have an augmented reality game where users get paid in tokens to go around and help verify locations of devices using the network? There's a lot of partnerships and things that we're discussing. That's not something that we would probably develop ourselves simply because there are people that can do it better than us. Uh, So that would be a partnership that would happen or, or since the platform's open source, it would be a, a developer choosing to write that, that app and, and DAP uh, because they know that they'll also get, they can set it up in a way where they're incentivized through earning tokens instead of uh, running ads. Right, right. Okay. The one of the pressing questions I have, uh, and and maybe users might as well. This comes up in a handful of our podcasts because just like you guys, there are so many projects out there who uh, are kind of, I don't know, how would I put it? Um, you know, taking innovation to a point where, say, the current generation isn't, um, you know, yet ready uh, to go. Right. Mm-hmm. So privacy here is the biggest mm-hmm. one. Right. You guys are. Right. tracking things like uh, say the location of someone's phone well i don't know about mm-hmm. other people but me my phone is usually on my person so uh now there is a platform out there who you know can uh very much track just like a handful of other platforms or applications um you know my my location at any point in the world what pushback have you guys seen as it relates to privacy and how is xyo different when it comes to privacy we haven't gotten a lot of pushback yet. I anticipate, you know, that that it is going to be be something that 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 comes up, uh, obviously. And the way we approach that is twofold. Number one, it is an opt-in service, and okay. so there's so it, it's not going to be everyone every device everywhere is being tracked. It is an opt-in service, which is. In an important level, but there's also uh, the fact that while the data and I hope I'm saying this correctly, uh, the data isn't necessarily anonymous, but it's identityless, which means that the, you would have to know that this particular device belongs to you before it can be really connected to you. Uh, and there will be a mechanism in place to allow you to essentially reset your device. And so you'd lose your proof of origin score that's that's giving you that higher reputation, but you would add on anonymity. Uh, so by, by, by essentially resetting your proof of origin chain, uh, you'd you'd be starting fresh. And so you could do that if it was if it was something that you weren't, necessarily concerned about either having that high proof of origin score or having a long history of interactions. If it is your phone, you could reset it every day. You could reset it every six hours uh, uh, to to make sure that there isn't, that it's islands of data rather than one long chain. Gotcha. Okay. Where, where do you guys uh, tend to stand on that privacy, uh, you know, kind of argument, just out of curiosity? Um, this is, this is me speaking as me and not me speaking as the company. Uh, but I, uh, I feel that someone else already has that data, Google, uh, and, or, or Apple or Facebook, they already have that data, uh, and they're holding it in, in their lockup. And we don't necessarily know what they have. Uh, or what they're doing with it, except for what they either choose or are told to tell us. With a decentralized system like ours, yes, the data exists, but you know what you know what it is, and you have it's your data, and you can access it and have control of it. Right, absolutely. You know, so the way I look at that is basically that we have bigger problems uh, with, with folks like a Facebook or a Google than we do, say, an XYO network when it comes to privacy mm-hmm. and you guys are going above and beyond to 
make sure people have, um, you know, that, that data privacy in, in a variety of ways. Um, you know, your white, your right. white paper and a lot of your blogs go, go into that. So that, that's good to hear. I, I don't think that we necessarily have to sacrifice one or the other, you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. the beauty of the blockchain, right? Like you see other, say healthcare platforms who come out and, uh, people are at, you know, able to, um, access, um, you know, say records and ensure that they exist without actually seeing what's within those records. Um, you know, yeah. court court records is another one, right? Or uh, in this case, proof of location. So you can you can say, hey, this this ID or whatever the case may be was here, but we don't know anything as it relates to the data within that ID. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, hopefully I didn't butcher that too bad. But <laughs> um, no, that that's that's a. Really, uh, that ID one specifically is a very good one. I'm thinking of a physical ID in a border crossing. Right. Absolutely. Cool. Um, so looking through your website uh, and your blog, mm-hmm. XYO Network, or I guess XY, uh, acquired a company called Geo earlier this year. Yeah. What is Geo and, you know, why did you guys acquire it? What's What's the story there? I'm going to be honest and say that I don't specifically what the, what they 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 were uh, one of the big showings at ETH Dem- Denver back in February, and I'm going to be completely honest and say the specifics of the acquisition isn't something that I have uh, a whole lot of uh, immediate knowledge, unfortunately, off the top of my head. Um, so sure. I I would love to come back to you on that one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, no worries. Um, uh, Geo though. Um, I think it it has some sort of a integral part into XYO network though, right? Like in the way. Yeah, they've been. They were uh, the the team from Geo were very very influential in developing what I mentioned our Gamma client, which is the gotcha. uh, the beginnings of our uh, developer tool, tools. Um, not being a developer myself, the specifics of of their involvement. Um, uh, isn't something I have right in front of me. Of course, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the one of the things that kind of perked my interest, um, and you know, we're we're in the ICO space, right? Uh, was the way that you know, and this is XYO Network as a whole, uh, as well, not just Geo. But uh, if you can prove that someone is actually in one place, then theoretically, could you eliminate the need for VPNs, right? Where uh, in the ICU industry, this day and age, there's a lot of regulatory uncertainty. A lot of projects are, mm-hmm. are geo blocking or trying to geo block, um, you know, in a variety of different ways. Those users who are, say, in the United States or in Hong Kong or in those regions, that um, regulation is a little more risky for those ICOs to um, access those investors. So, um, you know, these investors are using VPNs a lot of times to to get around mm-hmm. that that website block of their eyes, you know, their IP or, or whatever the case may be. So um, it seems to me and, and uh, you know, I don't know if it seems to you, but this much more in-depth location uh, tracking or proof of location could um, eliminate something like a VPN. Yeah, I, I could see that as being a definite possibility because you have you have an authoritative authoritative data point saying the information we're getting from through the VPN isn't necessarily accurate. So that could actually be a, that's something I hadn't really thought about specifically, but a very good, good way for uh, companies doing ICOs and token sales in the future to, to protect themselves uh, in, in that way. Does that also potentially, does that help bolster the censorship efforts of governments that are looking to censor people and those people use VPNs mm. to, to pretend they're in a location that's censorship free too. I think it could go both ways. That's a really pros good point. Pros and cons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there's pros and cons, but, but again, unless it, it being an opt-in network, right. Right. Uh, that, that would hopefully prevent that to us to a certain extent, if, if an ICO or a token sale wanted to go the extra, extra level and say, this is how you validate that you're in a specific location, that you're not in a specific location, I think that'd be a lot different than, uh, for example, Reddit using that. Mm-hmm. Or uh, I, I think that that from a freedom of speech standpoint, 
it wouldn't necessarily g- it be in a website's best interest the way it would for someone d- doing a, a token sale or something regulated in that right. way. Right. At least until XYO becomes self-aware. <laughs> <laughs> Age of XYO. <laughs> right, right, right. There's a there's a movie uh, deal in there somewhere. I can feel it. <laughs> cool. Well, um, you know, back to kind of some of the the real world examples you had you had talked about, and um, you know, for those out there, peruse the XYO network site, peruse the white paper. There's there's a lot of info. Um, you know, well more than we'll go into here in this podcast. But um, I was interested in, you know, and you and you just said it's a it's a voluntary thing. Obviously, um, you know, what's what's the competition look like for you guys? You are. Um, you know, not a not a Google, not a Facebook, not an Amazon, um, but certainly the technology you have and, and your goals are very useful to those folks, especially in Amazon and the e-commerce space. Um, how do you mm-hmm. how do you guys prevent a larger um, you know organization like that with way more funding of, of coming in and um, you know kind of stealing your idea or, or whatever the case may be? Um, well, that's going to be a challenge for any startup, and not just not just us, or not just a startup that's uh, doing a, a token sale or an ICO. Uh, and I think that the biggest advantage we have right now is the fact that we're a small, scrappy company that can uh, pivot and adjust to the marketplace. Uh, I don't think that uh, an Amazon or uh, or any other mega company is going is going to move quickly and into the space until essentially we've had the opportunity to uh, to validate it and so by that point in time uh, our goal is we're, our goal is to move quickly and right. and adapt based on what we're le- what we're learning and so by that point in time uh, I I hope by the time we validated everything and said, oh yeah, when Amazon looks at this and says this is something we should be looking at, I'd want them to be. I'd hope we'd be at a place where they'd be looking at working with us rather than trying to fight with us. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, that's exactly what Amazon did. You know, originally to uh, the book industry, I guess you would call it. Right? Is that the, mm-hmm. the large players didn't really see the 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 buying and selling of books on the internet as a big thing and. Um, Mm-hmm. By the time Amazon got there, it was it was well too late for the incumbents. So yeah, I I, I agree and, entirely. And in the traditional brick and mortar space, I was actually working at at, at a Borders bookstore uh, oh. when they were going out of business uh, as my uh, you know a, a, as my little side gig. And uh, the reason that that all of those that bookstores and others are getting hit by Amazon is because they were behemoths and they didn't pivot. Right. And uh, Amazon Amazon was able to come at them because at that point in time they were small and scrappy. Right, right, right. So, so you know, kind of into those uh, partnership plans, do you guys have any mm-hmm. uh, partners out there that maybe you're looking at? I know, like I said, you acquired Geo. Um, is there anyone mm-hmm. out there you're in talks with? you know, excited to, to announce today or kind of keeping that closer to the chest? Unfortunately, I have to keep that clo- close to the chest. Um, we've had just this week, uh, we've had some amazing conversations uh, on both a small and a large scale. And hopefully uh, very soon we'll be able to at least make an initial announcement of a uh, of, of what some of those conversations have been. But right now I do have to keep those partnerships mm. and things close to the chest. <laughs> it's okay. Mm. I ask, uh, I ask every time it seems to be the same answer. Mm-hmm. You know, we always want to, we always want to break that awesome new announcement. Uh, but Hey, alas, you guys have marketing plans. I get it. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I kind of want to pitch this over to Pete cause Pete has uh, some really awesome content, uh, as it relates to, uh, I guess what you would call Ethereum competitors, right? <laughs> Um, and you guys, mm-hmm. you guys have plans to um, integrate XYO network and, and this proof of location protocol across a lot of pre- platforms. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I've seen that you started on Ethereum, 
but you maybe mm-hmm. have plans to move into EOS and NEO. I mean, is, is IOTA also included in that? I feel like Ethereum in its current state and maybe in the near future would probably not be able to support the kind of transactions you guys are looking at. Right. Uh, so we will be building our own main chain for that very reason, uh, because of the fact that uh, that Ethereum or other other platforms as as they get to scale uh, may not be able to support easily or reliably or with consistent cost. Uh, so we're building out our own main chain in that way, uh, which will also give us the opportunity to essentially be what I think of as a plug-in uh, for smart contracts on any plat- uh, crypto platform that p- supports smart contracts. So we won't be limited to just Ethereum, mm-hmm. uh, but we can branch out in, in into AOS and into other uh, smart contract platforms. So they'll be able to integrate with the XYNO network via APIs or whatever interface you build. Mm-hmm. What's your uh, yep. What's your rough timeline on that if you can share that with me like uh when do you plan to launch your own chain roughly uh q3 or q4 uh we're moving very quickly on it uh we're a little bit ahead of schedule right now which is a terrifying thing to say uh, (laughs) uh... and be recorded um (laughs) but uh our we are on track right now for for uh, q3 or q4 having having our main chain live which will then be where we start branching out into uh, into those other smart contract platforms and, and building in that compatibility. Have you started testing the main chain? What kind of uh, consensus does it run on? Um, that is a question for someone much smarter than I am. <laughs> uh, That's fine. Uh, we have we have been uh, been doing some testing in it uh, uh, on it and but those those sorts of specifics uh, aren't something I have. That's, unfortunately. that's okay. That's why I bring uh, Pete on this podcast because I'm in the same realm, man. <laughs> I, uh, it's way over my head. That's why that's why he does the Ethereum competitor content, not me. But what mm-hmm. while we're on that and future plans, can, are there any future plans you can tell us about? Things that are are coming up next that you're excited about. Um, well, uh, the main chain obviously is is the big one because that's that's when when we'll be live and like truly live and ready to go. I think we're moving faster on that than uh, most other companies that that uh, have done ICOs and token sales. Uh, so that's our big one. Uh, another plan in the also by hopefully the end of the calendar year, um, and we're on track for this as well, uh, is adding a third level of communication, which is NFC, uh, mm. and having NFC devices uh, that are much more affordable than a Bluetooth device that would be, uh, but still be XYO network sentinels and able to be a much more affordable solution for use cases like e-commerce. Gotcha. Huh. Interesting. It's This is really a, a project that I see, and you know, obviously we see a lot of projects come through uh, our doors in one way or another, but this one, uh, more than others, seems to be you know the bleeding edge of the bleeding edge, right? Like I watched a, a video on your website that gave a couple different examples of how XYO Network can be a part of some really transformative kind of far future uh, concepts. You know, self de- mm-hmm. self developing cities, autonomous drones, mm-hmm. Skynet. Yeah, <laughs> that's the fear, right? Uh, it's and as, yeah. as Pete alluded to, uh, you know, it was it was a little, you know, kind of slightly terrifying, which I think maybe was was kind of the goal to to get that excitement going. But um, it, we're we're wandering into this realm of um, you know, kind of machine to machine interaction. Um, one of the things you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast was. Uh, when it when it relates to or or in regards to the way that users interact with the XYO network, it's not necessarily um, you know uh, plugging in one input to to make something else happen. It's it's plugging in in an input to see kind of what uh, that autonomous drone is doing with their package, right? Mm-hmm. Where where do you see all this going? Because uh, it's it seems to be excelling at you know at a rate. 
you know, quite a bit quicker than uh, I think anyone originally thought. And I'm sure a year, two years, three years, it will continue down that road. Uh, well, I think the beauty of a lot of aspects of the blockchain is transparency and the the fact that, as, as we've talked about, uh, if it's a public blockchain, it's auditable by anyone. So if you have this, uh, it, it, when there will be a network of autonomous vehicles and autonomous drones mm -hmm. In the near future, that's that is going to happen, and so having uh, having publicly available and accessible blockchains of a, that are able to say, oh, this is the heuristic data that we got from mm. from this car that ended up crashing crashing through a, a, a brick wall or whatever, uh, and. We got this data at this point in time, and it's verified by three, these three other de devices that were around it. That will give transparency into what goes wrong when things go wrong so that we can fix it and right. not depend on on giant siloed mega corporation that is that's that's creating these autonomous vehicles and these autonomous cars uh, to fix it once the cost benefit analysis says it's a good time to do it. Do you guys see yourself as more of a data company, would you say, or no? Um, well, we're making the data publicly available to an extent. So uh, more of a data provider than and facilitator than a, when I think of a data company, I, I think of uh selling it to advertisers uh. and that's not what we are uh but as far as but i think we're a facilitator of making making relevant data public huh. in the in the sense of like like we said autonomous vehicles uh and 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 that sort of thing data that is currently being privately held that you that we don't know exists right. can can become uh publicly auditable when when there's a valid need for that i didn't think about this early on in the conversation but this has reminded me of a couple of projects i've heard about that have a much narrower use case and essentially you're building a blockchain that has proof that uh, devices were at a certain location at a certain time right mm -hmm. um have you thought through the implications of that for things like evidence of, of crimes or uh, legitimacy of photos or videos, where if a CCTV camera, for instance, is enabled with the XYO network, you could prove that at this location and this time this file was produced by including a hash of the file or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's unaltered. You mm -hmm. know, it was taken at this time and it has not been changed since. Or someone had took this yeah. photo and didn't Photoshop it because right. it the timestamp location stamp is there. Now, is that, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm curious whether you've, that's something you're leaving up to developers or you've thought through those kind of applications as well. Uh, we've, we've definitely had, had those thoughts. Um, it's not like the, the specifics of the heuristic data that a Sentinel provides, mm -hmm. uh, is up to, the is up to the use case uh, mm. and up up to the device itself. Um, so those specifics are things that we've discussed, not something that we are particularly exploring at that point in time. Okay. At this point in time, rather. Uh, but you know, if a if a CCTV security company wants wants to be moving in, in, into the space. We're developing a platform for them, and we'd be happy to work work with them uh, uh, if need be. Oh, do you foresee objects and with your tracking devices, maybe uh, your location devices? I forget what you call them. Uh, beacons. That's right. Mm -hmm. um, do you mm -hmm. foresee uh, smart contracts and and objects with your beacons interacting with each other in the future in a place where there's no human control present? I absolutely think that that's possible. For example, uh, for example, just in in a shipping and logistics sense, uh, handling goods in a warehouse, hmm. 
handling inventory, uh, pull pull X pallet from this location that we know has this this amount of product because it came from this port and this factory. And we've got the, the full chain of possession on that. And we can go all the way to uh, to the, the point of reaching the customer, uh, not necessarily untouched by human hands, but in a way that is um, much more easily automated. Mm. Right. It's it's along the lines of, uh, as many would say, uh, continuing to innovate to improve the human experience. Right. And mm-hmm. we're getting there. We're really not that far, if you think about it. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I imagine the Amazon example, right? Like myself, our office, you know, a, a lot of the, the guys and gals, we order things on Amazon. And mm-hmm. when we do that, we do that because there is what you might consider an input, right? We're out of sticky notes. Okay, someone goes on Amazon, they order more sticky notes. Well, uh, instead of the sticky note example, maybe it's Tide Pods, right, for laundry. So mm-hmm. instead of having to go on Amazon, now there's a little button that you can push as soon as those Tide Pods right. are empty. So, you know, for those of you that are out there who uh, maybe like myself a couple of years ago were originally like, oh, this is, you know, 2100 and, uh, you know, it's, it's way far out there. Well, we're really, we're really not that far. <laughs> you know, with the XYO network, yeah. we can actually locationally prove that those Tide Pods went into the wash and not into somebody's stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably the most important use case that uh, XYO network will. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's going to take us to the moon right there. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a scary world that we're kind of moving into, but one that I think with more context uh, from innovative technologies like xyo network and you know like a proof of location protocol will help people um kind of give a context to to this new world versus just thinking um that mm-hmm. it's, it's one they can't imagine and is, is far off and one that uh they they kind of um you know broadly and, and ignorantly push off versus accepting it slowly and, and seeing the positives to it understanding the cons so that um you know xyo like you said is a voluntary thing you know, maybe you don't want to participate, but uh, you do that with all of the necessary information versus, um, you know, kind of uh, seeing this innovative technology as something that it's, it ne- you know, uh, isn't necessarily, right? Mm-hmm. So. so as far as our listeners, I see your main sale is done, if this information is correct, but that you still have a gam- yep. gamma platform sale going on for a while? Yeah. Um, so we uh, we have our, as I mentioned, we've got the Gamma platform, which is our uh, develop uh, the our developers platform, the first steps towards our our SDK, um, and so so that people can work within the network, we are we do still have tokens uh, for sale uh, through our Gamma platform sale, and that's that's going to be. Uh, we don't have a end date set for that at this point in time. It'll be at, that that'll be announced as we're getting closer to the launch of the mainnet. Okay, okay. So you can uh, go to xyo.network to uh, uh, to learn more and and purchase in the gamma sale. Okay, so give me uh, give me some price. I, I think what I saw and correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, one ether equals seventy four thousand xyo, or is that um, well, the old sale? That. That's uh, so we have a, a tiered pricing structure. So as we sell, uh, the tokens themselves become more expensive. Uh, mm-hmm. So right now, I want to say it is one ether is seventy thousand five hundred xyo because uh, we've gone through the first couple tiers. Gotcha. And and are those tiers based on a timeline? Like it will it will change in a week, or is it based strictly on uh, it, contribution? Ba- it's based on. It's based on contribution. Every fifty million tokens sold, it uh, increases the price increases by two point five percent. Gotcha. And why why did you guys set it up that way? Uh, because we wanted to incentivize and reward people who uh, participated earlier. Right. Yeah. So uh, so the, the the earlier you participate. Uh, the if you're an early adopter you get the reward in that sense right yeah that makes sense totally uh these folks especially those in the main sale might have waited a little while until there was some liquidity behind the xyo token as well so 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we see that a lot across a lot of ICOs. Um, it, it exists in the traditional financial space as well, right? Like if you really truly believe mm-hmm. in the product, then you're going to get the best price. You know, you're not going to get things mm-hmm. like instant liquidity or whatever the case may be, but you're going to get those bonuses. Um, right. Are you guys trading on exchanges currently or in talks? I know that's always a big uh, question from the community. Uh, we are in talks. We don't have, have once again, I hate to be the, the guy who always says, well, we don't have an announcement at this time, but we don't have an announcement at this time. Uh, so, uh, there, there is some, some volume on like minimal volume on a couple peer to peer exchanges. Um, but nice. we have not made an announcement on a, uh, uh, on a official partnered exchange at this point in time yet. Gotcha. So some decentralized exchanges out there, some DEXs, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, trading the token, yeah. and then and then some other ones coming down the road, possibly. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, there's a decent bit of XYO tokens. There's 14 billion uh, as far as the total supply goes, right? Yep. And then yep. And then you guys have burned 85 billion tokens what yeah at, at the at the end of the initial token sale, uh we we burned everything that wasn't sold or allocated wow mm. uh so um we so we so the total supply is right around 15 billion uh and including what's available in the gamma sale uh publicly circulating supply is around 7 billion so how many users did you have contribute to that public sale uh, uh 7400 ish i want to say that's that's pretty damn good yeah. um yeah, yeah. That's, that's a that's a solid number there from from what we see mm-hmm. were, were you guys happy with that number i'm burning 85 billion tokens that is that something well, that users should be worried about or not really uh i don't think so we we knew we generated 100 billion tokens we knew that that was that 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 was a gigantic number, right. uh, but uh, we also didn't want to. Since there is this hardware component to the network itself, uh, didn't want to limit ourselves. We wanted to make the token tokens themselves and participating in the token sale affordable, but we didn't want to uh, to put an artificial cap. And when we know that economies of scale uh meant that if we if we did sell you know 50 billion of them that would be able to make us able to make that first splash even harder um so we were quite happy with uh with how the the token the uh the public the initial stage of the token sale uh went um but we also know that when you look and see 85 billion token burn, tokens burned, that can raise an eyebrow. But we did anticipate something along those lines. Now, as the gamma sale proceeds, and maybe based on how it goes um, mm-hmm. and how your main launch goes, do you think you might possibly be running any kind of airdrop program? We see these becoming more popular um, airdrop to new users or some kind of bounty incentive program in the future for those looking for that kind of can't rule that out yeah uh okay but, uh, but also can't can't verify one way or the other no announcement at this time <laughs> <laughs> no announcement at this time we're just gonna I, I, yeah i should just yeah we'll just record just, it just get a button <laughs> <laughs> i love it man i love it so um yeah a lot of users contribute to uh the main sale and then obviously you have uh those doing so now um mm-hmm. you know one of the one of the biggest hurdles that I think um, a, a lot of projects like yourself have to overcome is, is one of adoption, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I say it time and time again, and I know ICO Alert, you know, we got many believers uh, in this uh, kind of theory uh, where right now cryptocurrency and ICOs, we're in this infrastructure stage, right? Where um, we obviously don't have an application that would have gone through what you might consider mainstream adoption. Um, you know, you look at Facebook and Facebook is so far along that line that uh, the younger generation aren't really using it anymore. It's, it's um, you know, you've got your aunts and uncles and your grandmas and grandpas there. They're well past the mainstream adoption phase. Um, mm-hmm. But before we get there, before an application gets there, uh, if it could get there, it has to have the platform to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously one of the, the raging debates and the industry is which platform can do it, which platform will be able to do it. 
Um, so as we as we complete this infrastructure, uh, as these platforms work towards that infrastructure, um, do you guys see a risk in not being able to, um, you know, provide something that's that's usable enough or valuable enough to, um, you know, the the mainstream folk out there who maybe have casually heard of Bitcoin but don't really understand it and certainly um, don't know why proof of location is important. You know, how how do you bridge that gap? How do you go from 7,000 plus users to 700,000 where, uh, you know, mm -hmm. that, that Sentinel network is set up to a point where you, you can't really take it down? Um, well, I think there's two different ways that that can be approached. Uh, one of them is the enterprise route. Uh, where if we have a few major partners participating, uh, then all of a sudden you've got, you have saturation even without a gigantic amount of individual adoption. If you have, you know, one of the major delivery companies in the country or if you, or, uh, or, or a major infrastructure company or what have you, uh, if they're generating the sentinels, then all of a sudden you've got, uh, you've got the network out there for the mainstream consumer to tack onto. And then on the other side, you have the consumer, uh, the individual consumer side of things. And that's something that that we have a benefit, in my opinion, compared to some other projects, uh, in that we have mainstream consumers of our Bluetooth and GPS devices. And so we can continue on the consumer side of things, uh, manufacturing, selling those devices that can function as Sentinels, that don't necessarily have to function as Sentinels. And then once we have a consumer on board, we can educate them into the benefits of opting into the network. Right, absolutely. One, so one we can, step at a time. So our, the, our con yeah, so so my dad who loses his keys, <laughs> I'm still having regular conversations about uh, exactly what it is I'm working on. And I think he it finally clicked for him, even though I've been talking about this since uh, since last year. It finally clicked for him when he saw the piece on CNBC. Uh, nice. And so having the um, uh, having consumers that are using our products means that we also have the ability to reach out and educate them on blockchain as a whole and our our network in particular. Right. Mm -hmm. So there there are multiple avenues that you guys have to uh, increase adoption, right? Versus just kind of mm -hmm. living within a niche of a of a niche. So. That's uh, that's great. Right. Listen, uh, it's Johnny. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, really appreciate the time. I know you have to run. Uh, so uh, finally, for our users out there, what's the best way to get any other questions they have answered? Telegram, Twitter, what's the best route? I would say Telegram. Uh, I'm in there all the time. Uh, so our, a couple of our members of our founding team, and we do have a great uh, and well-educated group of uh, moderators and admins as well. So uh, t.me slash XYO network, or as I mentioned, our website, xyo.network. Fantastic. All Excellent. right, brother. Well, hey, we, like I said, we really uh, appreciate the time. Looking forward to seeing uh, XYO network, uh, you know, complete the gamma sale, launch the main net, uh, certainly excited to hear about all the announcements, be the exchanges, partnerships, uh, whatever the case may be. Um, we're, we're excited to see XYO network grow. So anytime yeah. swing by, uh, swing by ICO alert. We'd love to, we'd love to have a beer or hang out and, uh, yeah. Thanks a lot, my friend. Sounds good. Uh, appreciate the opportunity. And, uh, like I said, anybody has any questions, feel free to, to reach out to me or the rest of the team. Perfect. Great. All right. Thanks, Johnny. All right. Bye-bye, Johnny. Thanks guys. Bye-bye.
ICO Alert maintains the only trusted comprehensive list of pre-ICOs and initial coin offerings. This Pittsburgh-based startup has grown to serve over 1 million users in less than a year. But how did it get started? Well, at first, the company was just an online tool for two brothers, Mike and Rob Finch, to keep a calendar of their favorite ICOs. After just a few months, the team has grown to over 14 team members and produced hundreds of ICO reports. These in-depth reports feature exclusive interviews and offer insight into past, active, and future ICOs. Head on over to ICOalert.com, meet the team, and use their game-changing My Portfolio function. Track your favorite blockchain projects. Become your own venture capitalist. Only at ICOalert.com.